Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 34 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today we're going to do a spoiler cast of X-Men Apocalypse, and because it is a spoiler cast, we have the wonderful Ray Vargas with us. How you doing, Ray? How's it going? Doing good. It's going good. It's going good. Uh, how's everything been with you this week? Uh, hectic, as you know, as we've talked, it's, it's that time of year. It, it really is. <laughs> it really is. Um, I know I'm like, even as I'm talking to you, I'm like, oh, I need to make sure that that gets into a bag or I will forget it when I travel this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll, I need to put everything in a bag or else I'll forget it everywhere. Yeah. Well, we're going to just jump right into it because both of us, I think, have had very long days. Yeah. And knowing us, we will be here for quite a while, so we will not delay. How'd you keep it geek this week, Ray? Um, You know, I have really been plugged into a lot of the news that's coming out of the various films that are in production and um, just reading about the ups and downs of these various, you know, films and, and what's been going on. So really... I'm going to save this part for when we cover news because there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk about. Very cool. Yeah, there there's a lot of movie stuff going on right now. It's it's that season right now, so. Yep. Yeah. Um I I have had an exceptionally geeky couple of weeks. <laughs> like uh usually when we get to this part of the <laughs> show I'm like I played a video game somewhere in there. <laughs> But um, I have been completely marathoning Pokemon. I've been playing it at almost every chance I get. Wow. Um, yeah, I've totally been bitten by the bug. I'm I'm trying to get through three games before November when Sun and Moon come out. What brought this on, do you think? I listened to a podcast maybe four or five months ago, and it was one of my favorite podcasters, Garrett Weinzerl, who was talking on uh, The Angry Nerd about about how much he missed and loved Pokemon and he'd gotten into it a little bit and and had missed it and it came all back to him and everything. And so I sent a message to my brother and I was like, hey, I know you love Pokemon. Um, how much does a DS, you know, a 3DS run and, um, you know, would you say it's worth getting? And he's like, I totally would, would get one um, and it runs whatever it runs. And he goes, but I have an extra one. Let me lend it to you. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> Well, the end. <laughs> uh, well, not only that, he 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 actually went a step further, and he goes, "I know you'll get use out of this, and for an Earth Day, early birthday present." So this must have been like just you know early mid March. Uh, he actually bought me a 3ds. Oh wow! And and yeah, and a couple of Pokemon games, and I played a little bit with them, and I you know I kind of puts around with them, and he'd send me a, a monthly email of all the things that I needed to do, get the free legendary Pokemon that they're putting out for their 20th anniversary, and um, and I don't know this last week or two, I just started playing, and I got on a kick, and I'm I'm really enjoying um, Pokemon Omega Sapphire or Alpha Sapphire, I guess. And so I've got like a new uh, Pokemon podcast I'm listening to and, you know, got my little guide because you can't do it without the little Prima guides that tell you exactly what to do so you don't miss anything. <laughs> and and I've just like any chance I get, I'm just kind of like, oh, well, let me just see if I can catch something in the tall grass over here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I've never played a Pokemon game, so 
that all sounds completely foreign to me and it's strangely familiar being, you know, how Pokemon is somewhat ubiquitous in our culture nowadays, or at least geek culture. Yeah, well, and this summer they're they're releasing, um, I think it's this summer, they're releasing Pokemon Go, which is kind of like a phone app that lets you go out and catch Pokemon in the real world. Wow. And so if you're around the beach, you'll catch kind of water Pokemon. And if you're out in the mountains, you'll get a different type of Pokemon. And, didn't, they, um, didn't they do something similar? Didn't Google do something similar a couple years ago? Uh, Google might have done something, but it, it wasn't to this if, uh, effect. Like this, they're, they're going to let you know if you, you're within a Pokemon, and I think you can kind of save the battle for later. But, you know, the idea is you have to go out and get out into the world, which um, I'm excited about because my husband loves that kind of stuff to just like go hiking and, and get out and about. And so I'm like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm like, all right, we'll go hiking and I'll go catch Pokemon and you get to see nature and trees and stuff. (laughs) Wow. They could figure out a sports equivalent to that. Maybe my girlfriend will finally get me to go hiking with her. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so there was Pokemon. Um, I read the first issue of Scooby Apocalypse, which is the new reimagined Scooby-Doo comic book. What? Yes, it's phenomenal. <laughs> it's phenomenal. You need to pick it up the next time you're at your local store. Well, anything Scooby-Doo, they're kind of preaching to the choir with you. So what what makes this, I mean, I guess it's obvious, it's Apocalypse, but is this a zombie, zombified version of Scooby-Doo? No, the I don't want to give too much away to any listeners, but um the the conceit of the show is that you've got um the Scooby gang kind of meeting up for the first time. So most of them don't have relationships with another. You have Daphne and Fred who know each other, Scooby and Shaggy who know each other, and Velma who kind of pulls them together. And it is very sci-fi and there is a thing that happens that creates basically a monster apocalypse on the planet. So it is, um, yeah, it's great. And, and like, I don't know if you've seen any of the art for it, but like they've completely reimagined some of the characters. Like Freddie has a, uh, armband and he's kind of broed out. Oh, I have seen some of that work. I thought that was just like fan art, like just like a cool, like take on Scooby-Doo. I didn't realize that that was character designs for a project. Yeah, no, it's actual character designs. Like wow. uh, Sh- Shaggy's all hipster, <laughs> of course. Like totally sleeved out in tattoos, and <laughs> like it's it's pretty it's pretty phenomenal. And the way they kind of updated it, yeah, I don't know. It just it made me very happy, and I, I left it on my desk when I had to have uh, Sean Daly cover my class for ten or fifteen minutes. <laughs> and I was like, while I'm downstairs, you know, I've got the, the Scooby Apocalypse up there. Go give it a look. And I came back and I'm like, what did you think? And he goes, I only read the first few pages and then I decided I have to stop because I have to go own my own copy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. How much, how much yeah. do you talk to, do you talk about Sean on this podcast? Do listeners know who Sean Daly is? Well, he was on episode like four or five, okay. I think back in the day. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I mentioned him a couple of times. I don't know if, uh, <laughs> if I mentioned him by name all that often. Sean, but, Sean's one of those characters that's going to come out in stories. I, all my, all my coworkers have already heard stories about Sean. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but, and then the other thing that I'm a little embarrassed to admit, but has been a, it, it'll be one of those passing completely free. So I don't have to worry about any 
repercussions or regrets, like no buyer's regret on this one. But have you ever seen the HBO documentary Superheroes? No. Okay, it is about the real-life superhero movement, which is basically people who dress up in superhero costumes. Not not like Superman or Spider-Man, although there are quite a few Batmans that do this. Um, but they dress up in superheroes. of the, like They create their own superhero for themselves. And then with this superhero identity, they go out and do everything from like feed the ho- homeless to doing like extreme neighborhood watch. Yeah, I've heard about this. Okay. I so I I'd seen the the documentary before and I don't know why I thought of it but I'm like oh, I'm going to watch it you know it's free on YouTube I'll just watch it on YouTube while I'm doing other stuff and I don't know why but I am like completely obsessed right now with real life superheroes <laughs> is like it, is it like a car wreck that you can't look away from or sometimes it's a little bit of both like there's there's okay. some that you're just kind of like okay I you're crazy and I'm going to let you stay over there and do your thing but there's some that I'm like okay what makes you go out on a daily basis and do this stuff <laughs> right. like it's kind of cool and yet kind of weird and I just can't stop looking at it <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah so pretty much what I was thinking <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, not always in a negative way because I think some of these people are doing some real good. That was my I, next question. Do they are they making a difference? Yeah, I think little pieces here and there. I mean, the the ones that are mainly dedicated to like helping the homeless and and public works. I mean, there there's superheroes apparently out there for all sorts of different neighborhood causes. Like, there's one. There's a woman who goes kind of bar hopping in her costume and make sure that women don't get roofied. You know, I mean, there's like, there's just like for anything that's out there, there's probably a superhero trying to defend against it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, which is, it's cool, but it's still like you watch these news reports or like they'll, a lot of them now with like, um, not the Fitbit, the, um, the GoPro, um, with the, they they have like they, they'll post patrol videos and so if something happens they'll have like coverage there and it's like oh my god you're like taking down a guy who who's got a knife like are you are you insane God we're gonna have superheroes someday Joe you realize that yeah we're gonna yeah like, I mean we're gonna have like superheroes would would, would you get in line for that uh, you know no I mean I'm <laughs> mind you mind you I'm scoffing now. <laughs> but I'm also thinking, you know, in the short time that I've been working at at LCAD uh, as a counselor, um, my couple of my coworkers and I have acquired um, lucha libre masks. You know, those wrestler masks. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, like you do. It just happens. Uh-huh. You know, we each have one in our office, and I'm sure we're one drunken happy hour away from thinking, guys, 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 I've got a really great idea. <laughs> Have you do you have your uh your wrestling uh name? Oh uh, no, not yet. I haven't got that far yet. I've only been there a few months, Joe. You gotta give us a little time. That's <laughs> it's a couple drinks down the road, yeah, huh? Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so I was like uh, like you know, I've I've got like a a Twitter list that I've added a whole bunch of their accounts to so oh. that I can see like what they're doing because I'm just like wow. I'm fascinated. Okay, I I I wanna say I wanna check this out. I don't know. Well, I w- it would be it would be nice to have somebody else that's just doing this so that I don't feel like I'm the only weird stalker guy who is oh, like okay checking out 
you know, the the profiles of real life superheroes and trying to figure out what their deal is. Are there are there cool? Uh, do they have cool like names and like like origin stories or? Um, I well, I don't know about origin stories because some of them are just kind of like I'm a real life superhero and um right and patrol this area. Yeah, I'm a nice but guy like, during the day and now I'm a superhero at night. Yeah, the 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 three big ones that I know about that I think um, all were f- featured on that documentary and and really are are still keeping it going. I think there I think like somewhere around a lot of these profiles end at like 2013. I don't know what happened there, but an infinite crisis of real life superheroes or something. Heroes reborn. <laughs> and, but uh, a lot of the a lot of the accounts will end around the 2013. So I don't know exactly what happened there that caused that. But um, you've got Phoenix Jones. I think he's out of Portland or Seattle. I want to say Portland, and um, and he is an MMA fighter. Whoa. And um, and he's got like the full body armor suit thing going. Whoa. And then you've got Dark Guardian in New York. And he's all about like he's a um, martial arts trainer during the day and he's trying to start a superhero school. And his whole thing is like he'll go with a bullhorn and into parks and go, all right, drug dealers, you're on camera. You need to move along and get out of the park and do crazy stuff like that. And, you know, he wor- he, walk- he works with the cops quite a bit. Um, but he'll just kind of patrol around and, and make sure that people aren't breaking into cars. And, you know, he's got his little posse that he walks around with and they all have costumes and superhero names. I love how matter of factly you're just kind of, <laughs> clearly you're deep, you're way deep in. To... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm way deep in. And then, um, the other one that I think is, is pretty, uh, pretty cool and interesting is he, he runs uh superheroes anonymous. His name, his superhero's name is life. I think um he actually one already life life well it's actually like he his the actual character's name is um Hebrew for life but I'm not going to attempt it um and so he just goes by life to us uh us non-Jewish people um and he he goes around and does a lot of homeless outreach and and does a lot of coordinating of teaching other people who want to do this in their hometowns how to do it and you know, it's it's just, it's just a fascinating, interesting thing. A lot of a lot of these people are on the spectrum, <laughs> um, but those three, I, I think, you know, are doing it for um, legitimate reasons. You know, they really think. But I'm just like, what what makes you put on the superhero costume and do that? It's it's fascinating to me. I'm just obsessed with like watching it and analyzing it and seeing exactly what I'm <laughs> what it, what it, what is going on in their minds. Okay. I'm prepared to to take a look at this. So you got to send me some of those links or text. All right, yeah. I definitely will. Accounts. Okay. <laughs> so that's my that's been my guilty pleasure of this this past weekend is just kind of like if whenever I I'm you know sitting and don't have anything to do, I just take out the phone, open up Twitter, and go, what who is posting what? Okay, that's kind of nuts. That is the geekiest thing that I've heard during Keep It Geek. So, good job. Congrats on that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Please for my listeners out there, if you have ever done this, if you are aware of this movement, 
Um, a, if you are if you are a real life superhero, contact me. <laughs> Second of all, if you are just fascinated by this phenomenon, please please let me know so that I don't feel sad and alone on this. <laughs> Great. So very cool. Those were our geeky weeks this week. Um, news. We have lots of movie news, but I think we're gonna we're gonna cut it down to to some big broad strokes. Yeah. Ghostbusters, Ray, talk to me. Um, I, we've discussed this before, um, and I have new thoughts. <laughs> so I was excited to talk to you about this today and just bring it up. Um, because I feel like, I mean, we're, you know, hopefully everyone, I'm assuming everyone's aware of like the whole backlash and, and, you know, the, the infamy of this trailer already being called i don't know how you would measure this like you said last time we talked with being called like the most disliked trailer in youtube history and mm-hmm. and there being like you know a a uh, an element of uh misogyny um it, you know involved in this backlash um and kind of geek rage that you know for you know unfortunately tends to those two things tend to go hand in hand um and um i just i i feel like up to this point probably a, as a reaction to that i've been on the side of let's give this movie a try you guys haven't even seen it yet you don't know and and mind you i'm somebody who does not normally give films or projects a chance <laughs> right right Sounds horrible but i'm really i'm someone who's very quick to write something off i mean i'm somewhat notorious for that amongst my friends where we'll be seeing a theater and a trailer will come on and at the end of the trailer I'll be like oh that's garbage i'm like yeah but i can just tell i basically i'm a movie snob that's that's it so um mm-hmm. But, you know, and I'm realizing probably as a reaction to the backlash that this film has been getting and probably because I'm wincing at, at, you know, uh, these uh, certain, I guess, I don't know, men's rights activists uh, who who are, you know, uh, putting down the movie just based solely on on the gender aspect of it. Um, I've been saying, hey, you know, give this movie a chance. You know, it's good some some funny comedians and good actresses and, and, and the writing team and blah, blah. I have to say, I, uh, watching X-Men Apocalypse recently, I watched, they had a trailer for the new Ghostbusters, a new trailer that I've, I've seen trailers in the past, this is a new trailer, and it just hit me halfway through this trailer, wow, this looks really bad. <laughs> this looks so bad. It's like, the it's like this, I, I finally, you know, I feel like I got that out of my system uh, of, you know, sticking up for it and kind of not really sticking up. for. Now I realize I wasn't really sticking up for the movie as much as I was telling people freaking out, hey, you know, like, don't have such a crappy attitude. Right. Um, and, and I think just I for some reason I was able to set that aside, not even trying to. Like, I was just wa- sitting there watching the trailer going, oh, yeah, OK, Ghostbusters, you know, I'm aware of this. And just just halfway through the trailer, just realizing, wow, this looks so bad. Like all all of that backlash aside, I think this is something that I probably would have written off like after the first trailer. Well, and it's I don't disagree with you. I nothing that I've seen has been like, oh, it's going to be amazing. Like, I think this concept was perfectly fine. And like in the article that I gave you, 
it, it was basically like, look, these other movies have come out with female leads and they haven't had nearly the, the negative reaction. But on that one, I, I disagree because I think that, you know, Ray did get a little bit of backlash with Force Awakens. And then when they released Rogue One, there was a lot of, oh, God, another female lead. Really? Oh, yeah. That's so unfortunate. And and then, of course, the, oh, my God, there's a black stormtrooper issue, which is a totally different right, right, thing. Right. But along the same, I mean, from the same crowd, though. You know? Yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't agree that it's just kind of like, well, the other movies didn't get the. No, I think they got their type of their their backlash. I think they got plenty of backlash on their own. Here, here's the thing though. There have been, and as geeks, I mean, we definitely know this. There have been other crappy movies. Yeah. Right. And and those crappy movies, you know, did not receive the hate that this is before it even comes out. If anything, geeks are are more akin to, or, or maybe that's not the right word I'm looking for, but geeks are 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 usually the ones willing to give something a pass, or at least look past, you know, the crappiness of it and say, yeah, but it's this thing that we love, right? Um, and so so I feel like you know there have been other crappy movies, but but this one is getting hate, and I I it has something to do with the gender aspect of it that being said it does not mean that this movie is necessarily good no and i i would probably have seen this movie regardless and i think at this point i will go see it even if it has a really terrible rating if it has the worst rating if it has a a, a two on metacritic i will probably go see this movie mostly because um i want to be able to look at it and have an honest opinion of the movie as a whole and not I'm not going to do I'm not going to I'm not going to fantastic for this one. <laughs> I love that that's a verb now. Um uh, yeah. I just you know I I it's for me it's not a matter of going to see it whether it's a good movie or not. At this point I feel like I have to go see it and to to see to be able to to form an honest true good opinion of it yeah. and um where if people just left it a you know, well enough alone, I may not have gone to see it. Right, right. See, I'm not that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I would rather write something off and then later on find out I was wrong and catch up to it. Uh I would rather do that. I'm not the person who's like, oh, well, that could be bad or good. I'm going to give it a shot and go see in the theater. I'm not that person. I'm very selective about what I go see in the theater. Um, not to say that I only see good stuff, <laughs> but right. just stuff that appeals to me. I'm very, you know, opinionated and I know what I like. And so my, I tend to have strong reactions to things right off the bat. I tend to follow directors and writers and not so much, you know, actors and actresses. So, um, that's kind of, you know, I, I will miss out on something the first time around. I'll give you a perfect example, um, from hell. You know, based on an Alan Moore graphic novel, you know, the one with Johnny Depp that came out years and years ago, um, I totally, I was just like, wow, that looks like another crappy Johnny Depp vehicle, which at the time, I mean, there was a lot of them. And I mean, there still do tend to be. But, um, uh, and then later on, you know, I, I heard from some trusty sources that 
this no that's good that was actually really good and i watched it and i was blown away i guess maybe because my expectations were so low but i really enjoyed it and and i'm fine with that i'm fine with missing something and then coming back to it because i guess i don't feel that way that i'm wasting my time right. um you know there's for me there's not much worse than sitting in the theater an hour into something going ugh, i've got to give this thing another half hour at, <laughs> at the least um and so i guess it struck me last night sitting in the theater during that trailer. Oh, I'm not going to watch this. <laughs> and I had been caught up with everything else surrounding the movie that I haven't, I hadn't even really given myself a chance to, to go there. But it, yeah, it, it definitely hit me. I, wow. I'm not going to watch this movie. Yeah. I, I, I feel bad. I feel like, <sighs> And I know maybe I shouldn't feel bad, but I, I feel like th- this movie is going to go the way of Fantastic Four. It has no chance of yeah. of being good. Yeah. It's going to result in probably no more Ghostbusters films, except the only thing that might fix it is Dan Aykroyd pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and going, oh, my God, we have to do this. But at this point, I'm, I am I think the, the franchise has got so much negativity surrounding it right now that it's like, I, I don't know that. I want it to continue, and and that's not where I would want to be with a, a franchise that I do enjoy and do do have fond memories of. I just I don't think that Ghostbusters is a franchise, though, and this is the thing that struck me. This is what what, what all it all kind of came rushing back or flooding into my brain yesterday or last night. You know, Ghostbusters is a not only a good film; it's a great film. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. And so when you're taking on something like that to remake, and it's a classic that has no business being a classic, you know, yeah. it, it it really came out of nowhere and it's just perfect. It's not a loud, actiony, slapsticky movie. It's actually really wry and and aware of itself and funny in a, in, in just a great way in a really understated way, which is part of its charm and its appeal. And so this, the trailers for this new film, unless they're completely, you know, mismarketing this film, it just, it looks loud and, and garish and, and like neon-y and like the, the effects are over the top and unnecessary. It just seems like they, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm bordering on sounding like <laughs> one of the. But, it just... but but you're not attacking it. Like there's a difference between saying, "Oh, I really don't think that outfit outfit is flattering on that person," and making like personal attacks about their character. Like I mean, I feel like that's the difference. Like you're sitting there and you're looking at something objectively and saying, "I don't think I like this," where. I feel like everybody else is is attacking it not for any solid reason other than they perceive, perceive that they don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean everything that's coming out about it is like that there were issues between the actors and that the director had problems with the studio and now now everything's coming out that it's just like it is it it is it is going the way of Fantastic Four, and right. you know this seems to be a, a Sony trend at this point. Yeah, so fascinating though. Yeah, fascinating in a very depressing sort of way. <laughs> <laughs> sure. 
I've got a bunch more news that I'm going to spring on you. Usually I share the, we share the news topics beforehand so we kind of have an idea what's going on. I'm going to spring right. some stuff on you and I just want to get your takes. Um, okay. I'm, I, I've got a, a Ballast Point Watermelon Dorado beer with me, so I'm ready. Perfect. Um, okay, so Star Wars Rogue One is heading back for massive reshoots. Okay. Hot. How do you feel about that? Is is that uh, – do you think – I mean, you know, and, and films tend to do this. You know, sometimes films go back and do some reshoots. Um, is this sort of no big deal, um, a little bit of deal, or a huge deal? From my understanding, movies do this a lot more than we hear about, and we're just starting to hear about the reshoots and putting in, um, I think, our own – biased to the sound of reshoots, but I think basically it is something that happens on most movies. In fact, it's contracted into the actors. Um, it's written into the actors' contracts. Yeah. So I, I don't think that it's like just because it goes, they go back for reshoots doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with the film. Right. You know, right. it just may mean that they need another shot or they didn't like the way something came out. Right. So from what I've read... Um, and usually when a, a film goes back for reshoots, it's maybe a week or two. Um, they're going back for a month of reshoots. Um, they have not screened it for audiences. They've only screened it internally at Disney. And apparently feedback was not what they were hoping. Not to say that it was bad. It just was not what they were hoping. So okay. So that was the initial story. And this is what I find fascinating now because I, I kind of – I read about this earlier in the week. And now today, or yeah, today I read there was a report at the Hollywood Reporter that, that um, the re the word is the reason why they went back for reshoots was to actually lighten up the tone of the film. I can see that that it felt it was feeling too much like a somber, heavy war film, which to me sounds amazing. I wish they. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't do anything to it from the sound of that. I, I want to see that. But, you know. Right, they, but I mean, there's you, you don't want to walk away from a movie, especially with something that's got that much kind of loaded into it, that um, you, you do want to come. You don't want people to go, oh, that was a really good movie, but I don't know that I want to sit through another one of those. Right, right, right. It is Star Wars. But, I mean, different, you know, there's going to be so many Star Wars movies. Can't there be different flavors for <laughs> <laughs> different people. Yeah, but again, I think it's that you know, we tend to forget that while while we tend you and I tend to look at this stuff as art because that's the, our background. Yeah. Um, I, it is a business, yeah. and yeah. yeah, yeah, and I can understand saying, okay, well, we don't want it to be too dark because we do want people to come back, and this this is going to have more of a this is carrying more weight than more some of the other movies are going to carry because just yeah. like um Force Awakens was the first of the new trilogy this is the first of the side movies and we've never had this before and this is going to be different and we really want this to succeed so where where it might be really cool to go dark and heavy and 
you know, make people feel really bad when they leave the theater. <laughs> we don't want that for our first movie because we do want them to say, okay, every Christmas I'm getting a Star Wars movie and I'm excited about that. Well, you're pretty close to what they they said in the uh, report I read on Den of Geek, which was which very similar to that, which was this is the first of the standalone films. They want to get it right. And also it has to it, – it, this leads up very directly to episode four, New Hope. And mm-hmm. so, like, literally, I guess up to, like, the 10 minutes before that film starts. So it has to match that tone or else it'll be too jarring right, right. of a difference. So, so yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't stress too much about that one. That one sounds like it's kind of them doing, um, doing what they need to do to make the movie successful. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Bring, bring on the next one. Um, <laughs> I'm good. I'm ready. You mentioned Fantastic Four <laughs> as a verb earlier. I'm not fantastic uh-huh. foring this one. Um, their Fox is, is like just going plowing right ahead with their plans to make another one of these films. It sounds like the, the they're talking about the writers talking about what they did wrong and what they hope to get right the next time around. Same cast. Same cast. Oh God, that means I have to go back and watch the movie. <laughs> I like how there's like no choice in the matter. Like, <laughs> but they're talking about how you know they had what they felt was a really cool take, and and they even say you know it is still a cool take. It's just not Fantastic Four, right? And so they're yeah, it just it seems like they're 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 gonna make a sequel to that. Uh, okay, <laughs> good, good good luck to them. <laughs> Which I mean, financially, they they like you said, this is the this is a business. Yes. It is it it must be financially feasible in some way, or else they would not be doing it, correct? Wouldn't they wouldn't just keep burning money? Do you think that there's a side um deal with Marvel? Mm. That we don't know about? Are they are they Spider Manning Fantastic Four? I mean, that would just blow the roof off the thing. But I don't. I haven't heard a peep about that at all. Not even alluded to, like in like, you know, kind of fanboy fantasies. Um, I just maybe this is what you know superhero filmmaking is about now. It's like taking as many swings as possible in the hopes of hitting that home run or or that grand slam. And and you know making just truckloads of of cash. I I hope not because that's just like that's gonna that's gonna ruin what you're trying to create. That's that's gonna destroy like that. I I am not a a I'm not buying into the whole oh there's too many superhero movies and we're saturating the market. I'm not buying into that right, right now because they're all so different and they're all you know decent standalone movies, but they're also this kind of epic storyline especially with marvel that's this epic storyline that's going on and it's basically they've they've serialized our movie going experience right right which to me is fascinating and um no siri i don't want to talk to you (laughs) oh because i said serializing and oh siri Siri got confused wow you figured that out quick anyway um so yeah so I mean, if you think about it, Sony made three not-so-great Spider-Man films, if you count Sam Raimi's last one, 
and then Amazing Spider-Man 1, which I guess did decent, but not what they hoped, and then Amazing Spider-Man 2, which did not do well. They made three before they threw in the towel and said, let's talk to Marvel. Yeah. So are we in for a couple more of these Fantastic Four films before? <laughs> before? I, the, the smart thing would be to say, all right, where can we get in on the deal? Let's throw them into the Infinity movies and wow, can you imagine? call it a, you know, that because that's where they'd be good. Oh, my God, that's that's what you need the Fantastic Four to do is to be part of something big like that. Yeah. Because then then they work, then they fit. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. It, yeah, we want to see them. When are we going to get to see the Fantastic Four be the Fantastic Four? <laughs> I didn't mind the first movie. The Tim Story film? Yeah, with the Jessica Alba. And... I didn't like that one at all, but I actually didn't mind the second one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought they knocked Silver Surfer out of the park and everything else was trash. But that was well, enough I thought... to make it enjoyable for me. Yeah, I mean, I I thought that they got the characterizations right. I got they got the bickering right. They got like there was a lot. I, I've never I've never cared for the Fantastic Four. They've never been my my favorite. Uh, my husband's giving me a look because they're his favorite. <laughs> Wait, I thought okay. Yeah, well, I I don't know why. Well, I do know why, but uh, he likes Mister Fantastic. He thinks Mister Fantastic's pretty cool. So, but is this coming from the comics or just from the movies? I know he doesn't have a history of like comic book fandom. I think when he was younger, and I'll get a nod if I'm right, or a uh, no if I'm not. Um, he read him when he was younger in a family member's basement, and yes, so that so he he read them. That's his that's his comic book experience. Cool. So that's his connection, right? So multiply that times five hundred, and you get your average comic book geek. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so I I didn't like. While you're right, they may have gotten the, the characterization and the bickering right in those first couple films. I just did not like the casting at all in those films. Yeah, it wasn't wonderful. You know, minus uh, Steve Rogers, I mean, um, Johnny Storm. Uh, Chris Evans. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Chris Evans was good. Yeah, he was great, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, all right, gear up, Fantastic Four Part 2. Thanks to Fox. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe that's one we go see together. We'll just go see that together and just like cringe. Yeah. Okay. But we gotta bring, we gotta bring the alcohol. We gotta bring. I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> so we're gonna keep this Marvel since we went well Disney, I guess, since we went from Star Wars to Fantastic Four. Um, please, I I really wanna hear what you your reaction to the reaction to what's going on in the Captain of War comic. I mean, I mean Captain America comic. I, I am embarrassed to say I don't know the full extent of the story. I know that people are all upset because apparently Captain America has is and has always been Hydra. That is the full extent of the story. <laughs> it, it, people don't realize it's going to get retconned or or just kidding in like three to four months. Do you think they don't realize or do you think that they do and they just have an outlet for their momentary rage? now um yeah you're probably right <laughs> the internet's a horrible place <laughs> i mean i'm thinking i saw this meme that my friend uh marcus posted the other day my my reliable super geek friend marcus um 
he posted uh, this meme that showed one shot of a kid reading Captain America back in the day where he, I guess it was an arc where he does the Nazi salute and says, you know, kill Hitler or whatever. And it's part of that storyline. And the kid's reading this and he's reacting and his thought bubble says, whoa, I wonder what's going to happen next. And then the, the next panel is, you know, Cap saying, hail Hydra. And then the thought bubble from the kid is like, hashtag, this isn't my cap. Hashtag, <laughs> rage. Hashtag, say no to Hydra. <laughs> oh, it's true. It's true. It's like, guys, just let them tell the damn story or don't read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the great thing about technology nowadays is that it gives everyone a voice. We're talking about the disadvantaged, we're talking about the underprivileged, right? We're talking about uh, the other, you know? The horrible thing about technology nowadays is that it gives everyone <laughs> a voice. The stupid, the ignorant. <laughs> I mean, uh, politics, but, you know. It's it's a scary place out there right now. It really, really is. And I'm a, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, glass half full. <laughs> Pour it out. Where do you see the half full? I just feel like either way, we're either – well, what I just started saying, which was that it gives all these people that would not otherwise be heard a voice, I feel like that's worth it. That's worth the annoyance. And And at worst, I mean, you know, what's happening politically now, at worst is like – or you've got to hit bottom before you know you you've you've got to hit your bottom before before things get better you every addict every you know person with with a, a problem they're refusing to face has that moment where they hit bottom and and until that happens change is not going to happen or or rarely does happen and so if that's what it's going to take for us to get better as a people and, and, and reach, you know, um, that Star Trek society that, that I, I believe we're heading towards eventually one day, then, then so be it. I, I would like to agree with you. And, and I, I think that that's, you know, that's definitely one of the reasons why I started this podcast is to try and get the positive out there. Um, but I think that's part of the problem is that you have to do things to counteract the negative. Yes, absolutely. You ha action. You have to. I think you hit it right on the head. Yeah, and that's that's I think where we're where we're lacking as a community. I think more of us need to go out and um and, and really promote how much positive can be out there so that people don't lose hope in it and people don't get frustrated and people don't go, well, I'm just not going to do this anymore. I'll take that um, a step further and I'll say not just promote the positive because I feel like if it ends there, then you're sort of turning a blind eye to the negative and then that stuff doesn't get fixed unless you face it. I think it's it's and I think this is harder. This is the real challenge is keeping a positive outlook while dealing with the negative. So. For instance, we're going on this podcast that you said, you know, that's one of the reasons you started it. And we're not just discussing great things. We've actually discussed some pretty horrible things. Yeah, absolutely. But 
it's all about how we engage with it and, and the attitude we take towards it. Because there's not, you know, if I tell my students all the time, if you're waiting for your life to be perfect and for all your problems to be solved in order to be happy, you're never going to be happy. That's no. Not happiness. You know, happiness is, is, is ha- having the attitude and, and being happy despite the problems. You know what I mean? It's because that's never going to go away. That's that that'll never that'll lead to a very sad life if you're waiting for everything to be solved in order to be happy. Well, there's the the feeling of accomplishment after going through the struggle. Like right. that's what uh, people don't seem to realize nowadays is that you you're going to have to have some uncomfortable moments and you're going to have to have some times that you're not happy, but. Ultimately, hopefully you're learning and growing from it, and the end result is far better than what you're going to get if you just let life happen to you. Right, right. Life is uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the, I, where we lost that little bit of, of wisdom, I don't know, but it, it needs to be like forcefully <laughs> inserted back yeah, into the public. Right? We actually have it really damn good. <laughs> we, we were just talking. I was talking to some of my students at lunch today. It was the, the um, gamer boys that, that hang out in my classroom at lunch, and – you know, they were talking about that that exact thing. The people who were they're kind of making fun of the 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 you know backlash anytime something doesn't work in a game that's released. And when they released the last um, World of Warcraft expansion, um, uh, WoW got ddoxed. So basically, nobody could log on because the servers were being attacked. Whoa. That's not that's not Blizzard's fault. That's <laughs> not Blizzard's. You know, they didn't try and make it not work they didn't go ha ha we have your money now we're going to not let you play the game like they've spent months and years creating this thing yeah. they want you to consume it they're excited that you're going to have it they're, they want their lunch to go smoothly and the vitriol that was on twitter like just like you guys suck your products suck what's like and and <laughs> there was a little group of us that they, they actually started hashtag team positive um <laughs> that's great yeah, Raven and EJ from um, Girls Gone Wow are big promoters of this, and so they, you know, anytime they they see negative, they try and counter it with hashtag Team Positive, and they'll put something up nice, and and so that's kind of become a little movement in the Wow community because it is. It's kind of like, why are you so angry? Like, what happened? What happened to you that you were so angry that not being able to log in? Yeah, frustrating. Sure, I get that. It's a game. You probably have 30 or 40 others on your computer right now. <laughs> Put that one down. Go play something else you enjoy. Come back to it two hours later when it's not being attacked. Yes, you know, now that you mentioned that, I just read an article. I'm not a gamer, as you know, but um, every now and then I'll, I'll read some news that, you know, piques my interest. And um, I was reading an article about this uh, a game called No Man's Sky um, that's been – highly anticipated since the first trailer hit a few years ago and it was due to finally come out it's this apparently this game is going to revolutionize stuff and um uh it was supposed to come out later this month and it's been delayed now to august and and one of the first writers to get the scoop and and announce that it was going to be delayed was attacked with like insults and death threats (laughs) <laughs> for like a good 48 hours i think until like the you know the the developers themselves came out and said confirm that yes it's going to be you know delayed unfortunately um speaking very much to what you're just talking about <laughs> yeah well i mean first of all 
it's not the reporter's fault. <laughs> like, why are you yelling at him? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, people calling him a liar and saying this is a conspiracy and you're just messy, you're trolling us and blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah. And I think a lot of this is just, there's a lot of angry people out there and for other reasons. And this is the outlet and this is what they choose to get angry about because, you know, there's not a lot of happiness maybe in their lives. And so, you know what I mean? Now we're seeing that and it's scary, but it's also a really important conversation to have. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but sometimes, you know, sometimes it hurts to pop the zit, but that's really the only way you're going to get back. <laughs> you're going to get back. <laughs> I hate to put it in uh... terms, but, um, and so even like going back to the Captain America, um, article that I read about, you know, people freaking out about him being a supposed Hydra agent this whole time. There was one lone, <laughs> the article that I read was so great because there was one lone Twitter user who was like the only like positive spin of like, I'm going to be team wait and see what happens. And like no retweets at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Everyone just completely ignored that one positive take. I need to find him and retweet him and retweet him as many times as Twitter will allow me to. I'm going to send you that. I'll send you. I'm going to tag you in that post. Yeah, because poor guy. <laughs> I, I, I feel his pain because sometimes you do feel like you're the only the only voice of sanity in just a <laughs> sea of crazy, angry people who need to find something else to do with their time. That's exactly what that guy was. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and this story led me to not the Captain America story, but the, the, the gamer one led me to watch trailers and read a couple articles about No Man's Sky and holy crap, that looks amazing. Isn't it crazy? That is amazing. I, I watched the interview he did, the developer did with, um, 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 late night on CBS, um, uh, Stephen Colbert. Yes. That's yeah, I saw that. Great. And they talk about how they use math to like to 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 produce this game basically and like they they put they just gave it the, the computer certain laws to follow and then it just generated like 18 trillion like galaxies or something like that. And so there's no load up time either because the computer is actually generating the world as you experience it, which is just insane. It's like we take that and we combine it with VR and we are in um, – not Ender's Game, um, Ready Player One. Right. That's exactly – Like we are so like right there. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking this is going to be the life that everyone leaves this life to go <laughs> – that's going to be the life that everyone leaves this life to go have. Um, yeah. Apparently it's such a vast um, platform, I guess you can call it. I don't know. That um, – you chances are great that you will never run into another person playing the game ever, ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Like I just can't imagine uh, it's, I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out. I think it's, it's a phenomenal idea. I think it's, it's just, and it's just an exploratory game. Like it's not like, there's not a lot of uh, uh, my understanding is, is that there's not a lot of depth to the gameplay. Right. Um, it's more about just experiencing this world that they've created and it's all completely random. Those are called procedurals, right? I think that's what I got from my... Oh, is that what they said? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Um, I'm going to skip the, the... We've been talking for an hour now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip the, the whole uh, 
the DC universe is starting over again because in five months we'll be talking about the same thing. Uh, <laughs> <is> it, <laughs> well, okay. so, go ahead. As we're talking about DC, the one that I was going to talk about is that um, uh, Willa Holland, the woman who plays uh, Thea in Arrow, mm-hmm. uh, talked about how disappointed her and the other cast members were with how um, DC comics is treating the TV series because they're being more successful than the, the movies are. And, um, you know, they're, they're creating, you know, a different flash. They're not using the flash from the CW series in the movies. Um, they, they stopped them from doing their whole suicide squad plot so that they could have suicide squad in the movies. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so so she just kind of whistle blew the whole. <laughs> she just was basically like, you know what? I'm glad I have my job and I love the show, but wow. I do think that we've kind of gotten the short end of the the comics um, stick because we're we're they're taking everything away from us and putting it in the movies and not putting us in the movies with them. Yeah. So. You know, and I understand that I can because a lot of people have complained that it's like you've got this great franchise, put them in the movies and join it like Marvel does. That's but this this whole story I hadn't heard this story. It makes Marvel's film and television divisions look like two peas in a pod by comparison. Right, absolutely. God, and you got to be a pretty big clusterfuck to do that. Well, and I mean, because they did have an episode like it was the end of a, I think it was a season. Ending episode where they shot the back of the uh, head in um, in a prison, and it was obviously Harley Quinn, and she had a line, but I don't, you know. Then they said, "No, you can't use her because we're going to do stuff with her in the movies." Oh man, it's one thing to have two different versions. I mean, especially after the success of the Flash, it's one thing to have Ezra Miller, you know, be in the cinematic universe, or whatever. But then to just say you can't do this, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, because I mean, why, you know. <laughs> That's what's working. That's what like you're you're you've got four series now that are all interlinked in the same unit. Well, yeah. Supergirl will be by the time um, the next season starts up. Right. But it's kind of like take advantage of what you've got yeah. and stop messing up the stuff you don't. I didn't realize that Supergirl was on a different network. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They and the fans cried out so much for a Flash crossover. That they did it. That's, that they did that's it. That's amazing. But I think it's not the same Flash that is on. I mean, it's the same actor, yeah. but it's not supposedly the same Flash as the one that's in the CW universe. Oh. But when they bring Supergirl over to the CW, they are going to combine the universes somehow. They're going to wreck on that. Yeah, but there's there's no – I don't think we have any word on who is staying and who is going on Supergirl wow. because um, there was talk about whether or not they would be able to bring um, Calista Flockhart over. Oh, because of contract issues or what? I I don't know why why it would have been or if it's just a pay scale oh, thing right. that does kind of... better than yeah, <laughs> um, which would be a shame because she's phenomenal yeah. in that in that show. Well, I mean, what else is Calista Flockhart going to do? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's got Harrison Ford to take care oh. of. <laughs> oh, <laughs> moving on. Um, <laughs> while we're on the subject of DC, um, Zack Snyder is out. Yes. Jeff Johns is in. Don't know how I feel about that because I don't know much about him, but we'll we'll hope good things. But Zack Snyder is out. Which I think is a, a positive. Yeah, he's wrapping up um, uh, Justice League now, correct? Or they're filming that now, right? 
Yeah, but is he involved in it? Yeah, yeah, he's filming that. They they kept him. That's gonna, well, it was already in production. Okay, so he's gonna. Well, he, I think that's gonna be his last film. All right. Well, hopefully, well, we'll see. Yeah, that's <laughs> a whole other. Yeah, a lot of the, I love how much a lot of things that we're discussing now. You know, uh, changing directors or or casts or or storylines and whether or not they work or crossover is all going to be stuff that's it's mirroring stuff that I want to talk about with when we get to the big the main course of this episode. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, but my big thing is, is that does it feel to you like Fox and and DC and all these different companies are kind of scrambling back and forth and fixing things and freaking out, and Marvel's just kind of leaning back and going, mm-hmm. "Yep, absolutely, absolutely." I mean, it was apparent. I mean, that was obvious. You know, between the space of of Batman vs Superman coming out and then Captain America Civil War coming out, and you just go, "Yep, that's a pretty stark contrast right there." Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, and, and this, you know, my heart aches for and and mourns the planned Superman films uh, that were supposed to come after Man of Steel because I feel like they they were onto something, and if they had just stuck to their guns instead of, you know. What happens to those executives that said, no, 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 we've got to cram all this and hurry up? Like, is there any, you know, consequence to that crappy decision? Because I'm sure there were interns and, and other assistants fired. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, probably. Right. Um, But yeah, because I really feel like they had a good thing going with Man of Steel. And then just what what a difference from one film to the next. Um. If if you'll indulge me, um, one more thing I want to bring up before we move on, unless you have some more news you want to you want to share. Um, the only other thing is like there's a whole bunch of X news coming out. I don't know if you've been keeping up with that. I, oh, maybe yeah. we could probably lump it in with X Men yeah. Apocalypse stuff. But um, Legion is being produced for for FX, which I'm really excited about. I didn't know what this was until I listened. I took your advice and I listened to the the last couple of uh, Jay and Miles podcast to just to hear their take on apocalypse before you and i talked and i haven't listened so no spoilers okay. Okay. <laughs> um but uh they mentioned legion i had no idea that first of all i had no idea that this was a, a, a an x-men related show i just thought legion you know that that term comes up all over the place um mind you i don't follow tv a whole lot so um mm-hmm. this sounds like what that it just completely like it was such a random thing to me that they would pick this they would pick charles xavier's schizophrenic son to base a, a show around right is it that's what they're doing. Well, well do you know anything about the character yeah because the character is fascinating yeah he's yeah <laughs> that's what i'm but that's what makes it so bizarre to me that they of all the properties that this they would choose this well i have a feeling and i hope that i'm wrong but i have a feeling that it's property that they felt most comfortable turning into a procedural Hmm. and i think every week there's going to be a different personality that comes forward that he's going to have to deal with and that's going to be the the conceit of the the first season because i i'm i'm realizing that first season on television has to be a procedural or nobody will watch it and then (laughs) once it's established they can start kind of serializing I, it. It's kind of what happens with a lot of these. I And honestly, I went back and watched um, 
we've been watching Buffy and the Vampire Slayer on and off for the last couple of months mm-hmm. with some friends. And they were the same way. It's like you the first season, it was the Monster of the Week. Yeah, it was contained, self-contained episodes. Yeah, and then they started, you know, there was a through, there was a B plot, but it wasn't as significant as it was seasons two, three, four, or five. Right. Yeah. Um, I have so many questions. I feel like, how are they going to do the psychedelic mindscapes that come with, you know, with Legion as a character? And then, I mean, questions ranging from that to how are they going to do the hair? <laughs> well, I've seen I mean, the the article I linked to had I think if that's a production still they're not going to try and do the hair. Oh, okay, okay, sure, that's sensible. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it's funny because I mean the character, the guy who's playing it is I think the one who played um, oh what's his name? Uh, oh. He was in Downton Abbey, Dan Stevens. Yeah, he, Dan, he played the husband um, that opted out. He was oh, in that great – yeah, his name's Dan Stevens. He was great in um, that that kind of indie B-movie, The Stranger. Oh, I haven't seen yeah, that. Yeah, he was great in that. Yeah, he's a he's a great actor. I loved him in Downton Abbey. Uh, I, was, I was sad to see them um, let him go, but you know, I think a lot of people on that series were, were frustrated by how long it went because British series don't go that long usually. Sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, so there's, there's going to be – I don't know. It's it's an exciting it's an exciting thing. Wow, yeah. There's no telling what that's going to be like. That's cool. Um and then the other big X announcement was, you know, I'm I'm huge about the New Mutants and uh they've cast Wolvesvane. I heard rumors, but I didn't hear any official casting news. Yeah, it's going to be Maisie Williams who plays um Arya Stark on Game of Thrones. Oh, that's cool. I hope that means that the other rumors will be true as well. Oh, what other rumors did you hear? Uh, the young woman from The Witch was supposed to be playing Ileana Rasputin. Yes, uh, I've heard that too, but it's not official. Right, right. Ah, oh, God, I hope so, because she was great. She's so good. And and if if this is the direction that the casting is going, I'm I'm very excited because yeah. that's a perfect that's a perfect casting choice for Rain Seclair. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. A- Anya Taylor Joy is is the name of the young girl that I'm talking about. Ho- hopefully, we'll be playing uh, Ileana. Yeah. So, so there there are good and exciting things, especially in the X universe. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Which wacky that it took nine films to get here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they they've done it well. Well, uh, we'll we'll have to see what you think about X Men Apocalypse because we haven't even gotten to that yet. Yeah, I know. But, we, maybe uh, we should just jump in. I had one more thing I wanted to bring up, but I'm gonna uh, set it aside. Okay. I mean, maybe we'll maybe we'll do a catch up episode sometime soon and and just kind of vent. Maybe we'll bring in a couple people and do a panel episode or something. Maybe I'll do a uh, um, I'll do a teaser at the very end of this podcast and maybe <laughs> 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 and we'll fit it in somewhere else. I, I like it. Very cool. Um, before we do the X-Men thing, the last thing I want to do is I do want to say that this weekend I will be in – oh, well, actually, if you're listening to this, it's not going to go up until until the Monday after Phoenix Comic Con. So never mind. I will just deal with this on Twitter. I have mentioned this on the previous <laughs> you episode. You will have been. <laughs> I will have been at Phoenix Comic Con at the event on Friday night. Which, and... which you can say is thanks for, for everyone coming out. <laughs> Exactly. Thank you for coming out and seeing this uh the evening erotica with Jeannie Koch. 
I'm sure it was fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. That's in line with X-Men continuity, so perfect. Uh, th- this, is, this is what happens when I try and record things out of sequence. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, X-Men. Let's just jump right in. Did you like the movie? I liked it with that pause in, in place. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, let's. I, I'm going to be honest. My my understanding of Ray liking a movie is that that's that's still pretty good because you don't, as you said earlier, you don't give a lot of leeway to movies. Right. Yes, that's true. Um, the more I talk about it and think about it, the more I think I like it. But that was not my initial reaction. I would agree. Wow, really? Oh yeah, no. Uh, this this was not. Well, what do you know? This was not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> it was. It had decent moments and it was enjoyable. Okay, what was but the good? The the good was I I liked the little moments that fans would get that maybe other people would. Do you want to like my? Do you want to take this moment to say spoilers? If you haven't yes. seen X-Men Apocalypse, we're about to go into heavy spoilers. You're actually lucky that you haven't been spoiled by something already in, in the few seconds that we've started talking about it. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I, I am starting with a very insignificant spoiler at the end. But, but one of my favorite moments was the fact that we see kind of a facsimile of the original Mystique costume in the very, very end. I missed that. Yeah, she's it. in the mystique. She's in the high collared white, uh, stripped down the side. Oh, I mean, I was watching it, but I didn't think to take note of what she was wearing. Yeah, and it's got the the fabric swatch that goes down between the legs. Oh. Like it, it was definitely the classic mystique that is, costume. Oh, that is something that was touched on in, in what I was listening to today, and I was like, "What? I didn't notice that." <laughs> Yeah, stuff like that. There was something else that I absolutely loved that I thought was like there were were characters in the background that I'm like, okay, I recognize him. I know who he's supposed to be. You know, I I enjoyed like looking at it from that. I would definitely watch it when it came back out on TV to try and pick out like what else did they put in there that I missed, you know, and I'm hoping um, Jay and Miles will like fill me in on all the stuff that I didn't quite see in the background well what's awesome is that this morning on the way to work i listened to what you told me to listen to the last time we talked actually was oh yeah they do this little like apocalypse primer with kind of reviews and they go over all the movies and i was like oh that's great and so i listened to that on the way to work and then while i was at work i got an update on my podcast uh, app saying jay and miles have released a special like like middle of the week tiny episode talking like spoilering apocalypse and talking about it in depth and i'm like oh that's great so i just listened to that on the way home so i won't spoil it for you but i will say that i was surprised that a a lot of my reaction were was echoed in their sentiment so yeah well i mean they're coming back they're coming from a a literary background too so they they look at it very cinematically and you know they they know what's wrong with the movie (laughs) But but they're still big huge X Men fans and how can you not exactly like geek out about some of that stuff? That's exactly what I think it is. I think the thing, the reason I I, I agree with you it was not a good movie. I actually didn't like it. I want to say, but the the geeking out factor kind of like over overrode that for me. 
mm-hmm. which I would. Well, what were some of your favorite moments? Um, well, you want to talk about favorite moments, or you want to talk about good in general? Uh, let's talk about good in general. Okay, so um, God, not a lot to be honest with you. Um, it was the moments that actually brought it back for me. Overall, good. Um, I guess they. I was. I was skeptical about how they were going to make Apocalypse appropriately epic, mm-hmm. but I feel like they actually did a pretty good job of that. Yeah, I mean, he's not hes not an interesting villain. He's not, and I think that they did the best that could be expected, I feel, which yeah. I was not expecting. I thought they were going to completely ruin him, and they mm-hmm. didn't. They, they, I, like, again, I feel like they got the most you could get out of that character. Yeah, I would definitely agree. So I liked that. Um, Let's see. The sound was on key. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, then let's let's go to the let's go to the critical eye. Let's go to what we didn't care for. Oh, uh, I th- right off the bat, I thought it was my first note that I took uh, was painfully eighties. Yeah, but it was supposed to be painfully 80s. No, it wasn't. There, why was it supposed to be painfully 80s? Because because how can you be 80s without being painfully 80s? I feel like, like, I feel like there's a, a subtle way to say this is the 80s without the obvious, like, crappy haircuts. And, like, at one point, I think Nightcrawler's wearing an Atari t-shirt, like, at the end. Like, what? <laughs> like... Why would you do that? Like that just didn't make sense well, to me. Here's the thing. Did you like the did you like the the artistic design of the first class and um whatever the second one was taglined? Uh or Days of Future Past. You you you're bringing up the same argument that uh my friend Matt just brought up. Matt Haley, comic uh, comic book artist and, you know, cool guy. Uh and and yeah, you know what? I did um, and that was stylized. You're right. Maybe it has something to do with the 80s being more of a thing nowadays that I just felt like it was so clunky, like it was so in your face. But And, and I think that's like to, to me, it's just kind of like that's that's the 80s. Like the 80s is very in your face. The 80s is very like gar- there is no subtle in, was, the, in the 80s. Uh, it was distracting. Like, <laughs> like you don't have to go that. We get it. It's the eighties. Like we get it. <laughs> no need for the red leather Michael Jackson jacket. Like no need for that. <laughs> that yeah, that was distracting for me. Um I felt like um God, there was just a lot that I didn't like. It's it's I'm gonna go into this and it's gonna sound like I'm just eviscerating this film, but uh I promise you there were good moments. Um but I felt like the the storytelling was very clunky. Like they there was there was one too many coincidences for me and they didn't earn the dramatic moments that they were going for. I felt like it was all somewhat inevitable. Well, I think part of the problem is that it's a lot of third movies seem to do this and I don't know if it's because they've got the trilogy mentality and you've got to get it all in. Mm. But this was two movies trying to be one movie. That, that's a lot of the X-Men movies, I feel like, though. Not the good ones. <laughs> well, I feel like, um, yeah, you're right. You're right. The bad ones, that's probably the worst thing. I mean, I'm thinking of, of 
part three where they try to mash up Dark Phoenix with uh uh the the cure for the virus cure for mutation one, you know? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. And and then this one, I like I I feel like it was you you needed two separate movies. You needed uh, the apocalyptic apocalypse coming in, creating the four horsemen, trying to destroy the word, world movie. That's its own movie. Yeah. And then you needed the finding the original X Men movie because yeah. my favorite parts were probably like, and I would never have like I grew up with the '90s cartoon. Yeah. So I you if you asked me. Would I ever love Cyclops and Jean Grey interactions? I would go, no, they're the most boring thing about the X-Men. And I really genuinely couldn't get enough of the the two of those characters working with each other. Yeah, same here. I thought that was great. I, I, I still didn't feel like we got a proper getting the team together film. No. You know, they didn't. They should. If that's what they want to do, they should have went all in on that. And I feel I was kind of bummed feeling like we still haven't really got that. Um. I have a note that just says Magneto's sacrificial family, (laughs) (laughs) which, and and I realize that this comes from the, you know, the source material that this is, you know, a big part of Magneto's characterization in in the comics, um, that he did have a wife and a daughter and they were killed by a mob, you know, um, Uh but it just, they, it was so perfunctory. It just, it just felt like we get it. Like, this is, you know, they're going to die, and this is the thing. It just felt like a lot of that stuff was not – it was just kind of like checking boxes, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and and I think that's a perfect way to describe it. There was a lot of box checking in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Um, that being said, I feel like, man, Michael Fassbender and uh, what's-his-name McAvoy are amazing as Magneto and Professor X. They really are, and their scenes were when they're talking to one another is very compelling. They're, like they, like uh, you can just you feel like they've got this history. Yes, they're so good. I feel like they're slumming it in these movies. I feel like they're the Magneto and Professor X that we deserve. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Now, if you want to talk about characters that we deserve better interpretations of, I think there were quite a few. Okay, and I'll start with the. The, the 80s complaint that you had, I hate the fact that the only way, the only reason why Jubilee was in this movie is because of her 80s aesthetic. Uh-oh. That's the only reason she was in this yeah, movie. Yeah, she has like, what, like three lines in the whole movie? You've wasted a character. You pulled a character from out of continuity yeah. to, to fit her in because she appeared in other movies as a kid. So apparently she's been a kid forever. Um, but how awesome would she be to be kind of like the intro character for the 90s version of this. And that's that's exactly what I said. Because I, I did a, a a spot on Dumbbells and Dragons on Saturday, and we were talking about this. And that's what I think these movies are missing. These movies are missing your, introduc- your, your intro characters, your characters that will bring the, the audience into the movie. Right. Um, because we have them in the comic books. That's what Shadowcat was yeah. in the, the 70s. It's what Jubilee was in the nineties. Yeah. Like that's that's what those characters those are the roles that those characters play. I would say that for a long time, um Wolvesbane was that for the New Mutants. Sure. Like you have that character that the reader can kind of put themselves in their shoes and get introduced into the story and we just don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree she was underused. I also didn't get 
what they did with Angel. I and and his his big scene where he's getting wasted in that warehouse or whatever by himself and the music, it just made me think of the the horrible soundtrack or score choices that they made with Watchmen. Just mm-hmm. like, and I get that it was like a Metallica song of the time period, and it's the Metallica song called "The Four Horsemen," which, ha ha ha, get it. But it just, it was just jarring. It's just watching Apocalypse try to be like the demigod thing with like a you know shredding solo, eighty solo in the background. Yeah, it just didn't fit. It just didn't feel right to me at all. Well, he was a, he was another character. Like the only reason, the only reason that Angel is an interesting character, the only reason is because he's one of the original five. Right. It's the only reason. <laughs> and when this original series ran, when the the comic books had this this story in it, the whole thing was is that he he dies in a plane crash and they think he's dead. Yeah. And you know, it's never clear as to whether. Apocalypse brings him back to life to make him Archangel or or you know rescues him before he dies but you know the 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 kind of emotional pull to it and the reason why the character is compelling is that he had this history and he was like a brother to them and there was a, a reason for people to be invested in his character but they killed him off and turned him into Archangel cuz he's a lame character <laughs> yeah yeah, they were actually trying to make another badass character a la Wolverine. Yeah. So everyone couldn't get enough of him. Yeah, and, and you know, they, they at least created some really compelling stories. And then, uh, you know, one of the other things that I brought up on, on the, the other podcast was that with Civil War, you and I talked about how much we absolutely loved the fact that both Black Panther and Spider-Man – with their limited screen time, got full story arcs. Yeah, absolutely. And there were so many characters in this movie that got no story arc whatsoever that they might as well not have been in the movie. And I feel like they're retreading a lot of story arcs for people that have been in these films already. Like, how many times is Magneto going to go, like, back and forth and, like, switch sides? And, like, I just feel like as interesting as those two actors are, you know, playing off of each other, we, we they've told their story. I f- I really hope this is the end of the Magneto Professor X bromance thing, and you know we're we're able to go forward focusing on this group of kids that has to come into their own, you know, as a team. Yeah, and and honestly, they they need to send Xavier into space because I think that's one of the the best times in in X Men continuity is yeah. when uh, Xavier's not there. Yeah, I have a lot to say about that when we talk about looking forward. Yeah. Um I I did get shades of I have to say and I get I don't know if it was due to the 80s, the crappy 80s aesthetic they were going for, but I got shades of like Batman and Robin like from like the neon. There's a lot of neon in this movie and the lighting is really <laughs> dramatic and green and hot pink and weird. Oh, we found Ray's kryptonite. Oh man! Like, and then some of the costumes, some of the suits. I was like looking for nipples. Like, are those? Are is there? Are they? Like, what's going on here? Well, and and I I see what they were doing with the four horsemen is they were trying to take the archangel design and spread it out over all four, 
horsemen. <laughs> Did you catch That's what they were trying to do. Did you catch that scene where Apocalypse is like dressing them up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was an article, I think, on Den of Geek that was like, it's <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse is all about the makeover. <laughs> Seriously, like he's doing his makeup or something. Like, what's going on? <laughs> um yeah if you're gonna roll with me you gotta look the part guys all right <laughs> i've got a certain aesthetic to uphold <laughs> you know the egyptians are all about their eyeliners so well it's a again a very 80s feel it's like <laughs> it's all about the look guys it's all about the look um i feel like quicksilver's powers are getting funky like how fast how so? is this dude that's true. I, I thought that about a couple times. Yeah. What What was your take on the on the big uh, Quicksilver sequence for this for this film? Uh, the, the reason why it wasn't at, it was it was still fun. Like you can't not have fun with that scene. Well, I mean, if you're gonna pick, what was the song they picked? The uh, uh, Eurythmics, "Sweet Dreams." Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's that instant fun right there. Exactly. But, you know, I, I think what it came down to was is when it happened in uh, Days of Future Past, it was completely unexpected. Yeah. It was completely new and different. Yeah. And it was phenomenally done. Yeah. Yeah. They can't match that. No, but they, and so, they tried to uh, – they were like, oh, we got to top that now. And I, I can see what they went for and, and why they did it the way they did it. But it's never going to capture the magic of that original – yeah, yeah, I agree. And and I just think like, okay, this guy really like he's he's he a time traveler now? Like how fast is he really going? You know? Right. Um I feel like I'm I'm gonna start to really get to the meat of, of what I like the I feel like are the the issues or the source of these issues is that I found myself wondering today how good of a director is brian singer really what what great films has he made i will imdb him right now. <laughs> that, okay you just made my point for me um but i'm not that see i'm not i i i do not i do not usual suspect. confess to say that i can i can really uh quickly identify people and the movies that they belong okay. to usual suspects is his was his calling card at the beginning of his career Right. Um, great, great film, but I'm hesitant to say I'm I'm ready to say now great, great script, actually, you know, and serviceable direction. Well, he's got 18 credits, two of them in pre-production. Want to run down the list? There? <laughs> um, Starting from 88. He did Lion's Den, which is a short. He did Public Access. He did The Usual Suspect. Okay, Public Access I haven't seen. I've heard it's decent. Okay. It's his first film, so obviously low budget, you know. Right. Apt Pupil. Apt Pupil was pretty good. That was with Brad Renfro, and that was actually with Ian McKellen. So there's the Magneto connection there. Mm-hmm. And again, this is just his directing credits. Yeah. Um, X-Men and X-Men 2. Okay. Which, again, are his fifth and sixth movies if you consider the short. Right, but they're his. That's his fourth and fifth full-length feature. So his, uh, fifth and fifth and sixth, yeah. No, no, or no, fourth and fifth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So X Men was actually his fourth feature film mm-hmm. ever. And that yeah, I I see that as 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 being a small um, 
a small number, but maybe I'm yeah, yeah, and and that came out in 2000 when there really weren't like successful superhero films at that point. Like, when did Spider-Man come out? Like 2002, I think. Or yeah, something like that. Well, and X Men and X Men Two, I still enjoy. I think that for the time that they came out, they were really they were they were kind of ground changing movies for for the superhero franchise. I agree with you, but I think that your first sentence is the perfect caveat, and that is for when they came out, right. because that's over ten years ago now. It's fifteen years ago almost. Then we have House, which is a TV series, so I don't know why that's on there. Um, and then Superman Returns, which I ouch, yeah. <laughs> I have many, I have many feelings about Superman Returns, yeah. and I don't like it for the, the reason why. The reason why I don't like Superman Returns. Do you do you want to take a stab at why I don't like Superman Returns? Um, God, I'm I'm gonna say, um, because he's a stalker. No. Okay. No, because it it hues too closely to what came before. No, you're gonna have no like it's gonna oh. have broadside yet. Okay, um, I I don't like Superman Returns because it's the reason why X Men th- one of the many reasons oh. why X Men Three was so terrible. Oh, I should have got that. You're absolutely right. Yeah, because they took um, he left. They they took Cyclops. Um, what's his face? Uh, James Marsden. Yeah, James Marsden. Right. Yeah. To play an absolutely nothing character. Yeah. He and left to, to direct Superman Returns, and he took James Marsden with him. Right. And so that was a big reason why X3, you know, both the direction, uh, the, the directing, the, the fact that he wasn't there to direct it, that's the number one. Because I do think it would have gotten been a different movie if he had directed it. Because I do think he, he does well with X-Men movies. I don't know that... And and I'll I'll come back to why I think Apocalypse is the way it is for reasons. Um but we wouldn't have gotten X Men three that way because he would have directed it and they wouldn't have just randomly killed Cyclops off screen well, because they would have had the actor. Right. Here's here's the thing. Let's let's run through these real quick and then I'll make my point. So Superman turns, then he's relegated to a TV movie, then he does Valkyrie with Tom Cruise, which uh, I mean, I didn't. I, I don't. I saw it, and I don't remember anything about it really. Um, he does another TV movie. Then he does Jack the Giant Slayer, which bombed. I didn't see that, that. Bombed, yeah. And then he does Days of Future Past. So, I mean, wow, that was only a couple years ago. Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. So that's it. I mean, that's and the, and now X Men Apocalypse. Um, I'm just. I I just feel like the more that Singer is asked to do as a director, um, the the less. The, the lesser the returns. Uh, I feel like, again, Usual Suspects is a classic, but I'm starting to believe that a lot of that has to do with the script. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, you know, some directors, you know, they're serviceable, but the bigger the budget, the, <laughs> the yeah. crappier the film, you know? Um, and I think that had he chosen to, to make X-Men 3 and wrap up his initial trilogy, I think he would have rightfully bowed out at that point, and I think that would have been the right move. And then I think we would have got the next trilogy by someone else. In my geek fantasy, it would have been Matthew Vaughn, mm-hmm. who came in to do X-Men First Class, because I think he did a great job with that. Um, but but as it as it happened, Singer left... X-Men 3 was a a disaster directed by Brett Ratner, 
Matthew Vaughn comes in and breathes life in like X Men at that in, in that state X Men had no business continuing, <laughs> you know? No, it really didn't. I, I, I think I remember walking out of X Men three going, Well, that goes that's the end of seeing X Men on t- on the big screen. Right. And I feel like that's it's almost like to me, I, I make the analogy and my apologies for, for, you know, a somewhat insensitive analogy, but I feel like um Matthew Vaughn came in and, and resuscitated <laughs> what was the X Men, you know, cinematic franchise at that point. But it was still a vegetable it was it, what was the what is the quality of life so far you know brian Seeger comes back mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. and directs these last two movies but i really feel like these movies are out of time these movies should should not be and i feel like the my biggest complaint about the x-men now as it exists now is that this is these are obsolete this is an obsolete take on this comic book franchise being you know when you take into account what we're getting from marvel at this point um. Yeah. I mean, but they, again, Marvel. Yes. Fox. No. Yeah. And Joe, how much black leather? <laughs> Matrix was how long ago? Like seventeen years ago? Like how? You know, we're done with that. Like we're and and they kind of give us a teaser at the end of Apocalypse where they show you know the team in the danger room with the you know the up, somewhat updated, but it's still like not going. Thor, like bam, this is my costume. You know what I mean? It's it's right. it's still kind of like snuck in there, and I feel like that was an aesthetic that was Brian Singer's aesthetic. You know, of this was perfect for when it started, but I just feel like these movies were were done with them, and I I think you know I'm really hoping that he moves on and that we get someone else to come in, a la Matthew Vaughn did in First Class. I wish that Matthew Vaughn could have you know, kept going and, and continued, you know, with, with, with what he wanted to do. Yeah. Though, and it does have its problems, but I did love days of future past. So I, I can't get mad at him for that. Cause I thought it was so well done. I got to say this. I, I enjoyed days of future past. Don't remember a thing about it. Oh, see, I, 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 I can picture full sequences of that. Movie. I've only seen it the one time in the theater. Me too. Wow. I, I very rarely I very rarely go and see um uh see movies twice in especially in the theater. But I mean like you I, we had talked before where you saw said when you saw um Wolverine go crazy in X Men two that I, I think it was that one that brought a little bit of a tear to your yes. eye because it was like, Oh my god, that I've i I've pictured that in my mind. Yes. And that's exactly how I reacted to Days of Future Past. Like the especially the future sequences, I'm like, this is this is exactly what I wanted from this movie. I think I know what you're talking are you talking about with Blink and with like, yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Well yeah, that's but don't you feel like I mean he's he's not a good action director. Um see I like his action sequence. I like I like his I like his um I like his battle sequences. Um because well, go ahead. I just can't stand them. I just they're so they're so <laughs> clunky to me. But I I think that they're clunky because they're slowed down enough to be able to actually see what's going on. Like that's what I don't like about a lot of like <laughs> I mean, not not to bring in more controversial directors, but uh, uh, Michael Bay movies. I just I might as well close my eyes during the action sequences because I can't see anything that's going on. Um, that's an extreme, sure. How yeah, do you and so the action in Civil War. 
No, I love the action in Civil War, and okay. I would I would agree with you that it was that it was probably it was definitely cleaner. But I think for for the X Men, I feel like it the X Men don't have that precision, and I feel like you f- get that feeling from the battles. Like the battles are not clean battles. Where if you look at Civil War, they're very clean because they're all trained soldiers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um. I just feel like his like I I I'm not getting the cool little moments like we do when we watch Captain America fight, and I'm not talking about like the big overall thing, mm-hmm. but like the little like uses of like their power and like cool little ways that it's just like a moment in the fight scene here and there. And I get what you're saying that they're not trained soldiers, but. I mean, this is also, I want to see, you know, Psylocke do something really cool, and I want to see Beast to move like Beast and not like he's hanging from cables, you know? Like it just, right, well, it and I, I, I do have to say, I like, uh, the uh, my biggest disappointment in this movie was Psylocke. And Psylocke's not even one of my favorite characters, but talk about a, a completely superfluous character like she had nothing to and she somebody told me that she turned down the role of the girlfriend in deadpool because she didn't want to play somebody's girlfriend yeah and i'm like honey you you made the wrong choice (laughs) yeah yeah i also thought that i mean i'm a huge fan of um olivia munn (laughs) i'm a big fan Mm -hmm. um but i don't i don't feel like um I like her as an actress in the right role. Um, mm-hmm. I thought she was great in the newsroom. Um, obviously, played a completely different type of character, and I just I didn't see her her um, the way her delivery, her line delivery, and whatnot just didn't feel right for this character at all. No, well, and I I do have to say, and I think she she you know again spoilers she she bows out at the end. You know, she kind of slinks into the, the shadows. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what the problem of this movie was, is that I feel like Days of Future Past was this grand gesture that rebooted the entire timeline mm-hmm. so that we could get back a bunch of the characters that we lost in X-Men 3 and make it, you know, what go forward with... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so and so I, I feel like that was Okay. That's what we're doing with this. And I feel like this movie was kind of trying to put the pieces. It's like X-Men 3 dropped the, the the Monopoly game and all the pieces and money and houses and hotels go flying everywhere. And Days of Future Past gathered them all up. Yeah. And then this movie started putting them back so that the next movie can play the game. I'll, I'll take it a step further. I'll say that X-Men First Class gathered them all up fair enough and and then days of future past set it up to go forward and i was hoping that's what this was going to be but it turns out it's going to be for the next one and i feel like okay that's great i'm done like i'm done with this iteration like i'm done with this vision of the x-men you know it was Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. cool to geek out on the moments that were there for us geeks but I'm, you know, I want to see the X-Men be the X-Men now. Like, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for a three-part Phoenix slash Dark Phoenix saga that takes us to space and, you know, the Shi'ar Empire. You know what I mean? Like, 
No, I completely agree. And I hope, I honestly hope that they, do we know if Singer's doing the next one? He's hinted at what he wants to do, but I don't think it's anything official. Um, but a lot of these, what you're talking about really does come to, to my, the, the crux of my, um, um, what's the word? Uh, criticism is mm-hmm. that the, a lot of these choices in the X-Men franchise don't feel like they're story or character driven. They feel like there's other things going on that are affecting their, their choices. Whereas the Marvel films feel like very character driven stories. These feel like, like the only reason that Mystique has such a big role is because we snagged Jennifer Lawrence for this role. So we've got to give her more stuff to do. Otherwise Mystique really doesn't have any business being like a centerpiece in this story. I, w- I would agree with that. I, I, I have never – I have to kind of make myself okay with the fact that this is not the X-Men in the comic books. This is not the X-Men that we've grown up with. This is not the X-Men that we're familiar with. This is a different version of them. Let me ask you a question and, though. Are we getting the, X, the, the Captain America from the comic books? Are we getting the Avengers from the comic books? I would I would I would argue that in most cases we are. I think there are some characters that don't hit the mark quite as straight on as as they could. <laughs> Ironically, one of those being Hawkeye. But um but for the most part, yes. But for the most part, yes. And I think that that works against this X-Men franchise. I would I would agree. And I do think some of that has to do with the fact that I mean, there there's an entire podcast dedicated to trying to figure out the continuities and retcons and the issues that happen with, you know, the X-Men that's been going on for decades because it, it, it is a big tangled spaghetti mess. And so trying to distill that in a way that's going to make sense, I can understand that being a little bit daunting. Yeah. But I do think that you have to, to enjoy these movies, realize that it's not, it's a different, it's an alternate universe of X-Men. Yeah, yeah. And and that's like that's cool. And and I think in two thousand and two thousand three that was something to be grateful for. And I think we're we're past that now. <laughs> I and I, I would agree. I would definitely agree. I, I think I'm I'm still gonna give it one more because again, we walked out of this movie acknowledging it wasn't a great movie, but still having had fun. Yeah. You know, I had fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I think you know, I'm I'm hoping that they're going to be taking this in new and different and better directions moving forward. I feel like they just it was just a clunky way to get everything back on track. Um, yeah, maybe maybe I'm being too hopeful and optimistic and giving them too much, um, uh, you know, leeway here. But that's that's what I see. And I the the rumors. A lot of people have complained, and this is one thing I do want to talk on as we kind of close up what our our thoughts are. Um, the, the stinger at the end, did you, did you have any feelings about, about that? I actually didn't make the connection and I had to look it up after. I'm like, I know that the word Essex corporation or the phrase Essex corporation is important, but I don't understand why. And, duh, I didn't, I didn't make the connection to Mr. Sinister. Yeah. So it's Mr. Sinister. And a lot of people have complained about, of course, we're going to have, uh, uh, Wolverine cameo because Wolverine's got to be in every movie and yeah. um, this sucks and why are we having it? But I do think that once they brought that 
a stinger in, it justified him being in the movie. Okay, um, because I so, – so to sum up a little bit, I guess, I feel like the the – the characterization and and the story of this version of the X-Men is being, let's say, being the cake and all the cool geek moments being the frosting. Usually, mm-hmm. you know, you can pack on as much good frosting as you want. If the cake is crappy, it's not going to be a good cake. I was surprised that this was like, oh, like that was tasty. The frosting, the geek frosting, actually. <laughs> I'm never going to put the words geek and frosting together like that again. But anyway, um, it, it, you know, it 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 was palatable, and I was surprised mm-hmm. by that. Um, I have to say, like, probably <laughs> by far the geekiest moment for me was Weapon X. That classic Barry Windsor-like image being acted out. I actually, and I know people have been complaining about it, but I lost my shit. I really did. I, I don't think I have as much of a connection to Wolverine as you do, and I think that's why I didn't have as positive a reaction about it, but I certainly didn't have the negative reaction that a lot of people did. Yeah. You know, as soon as you heard the clanging inside the box, I'm like, all right, that's Wolverine. Yeah. Um, you know, it was like there was no surprise to it. But, you know, I mean, did, I don't know if they talked about it on Jay and Miles, but you, you know what the the possible implications of, of um, Mr. Sinister stealing his blood is. That he can create clones, right? Which leads oh, 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 us to X twenty three. That's right. Yeah, yeah, who is who is currently Wolverine in the comic books? Right, and so since you know Hugh Jackman is saying he's wrapping up his run on the character, it would make sense to bring in X twenty three. So how phenomenal is it going to be to have a female Wolverine? That that would be cool. I don't have. I haven't read X twenty three. I hear great things about it, but I've never read it, so I don't know the character. I just think it's I, I've heard I've heard so many positive things because I haven't I've I've read stuff with her in it yeah. but I haven't read her series yeah and um, I just that's what kind of gives me hope because it's kind of like okay they're starting to take this into places where they can be more diverse with their characters yeah. where they can update them a little bit more and they can start telling stories in ways that are a little less forced than this this movie was yeah right um. I feel like um, I'm torn because on the one hand, you know, complaining about story choices being affected by, you know, outside things that are not the characters. You know, I don't like that Wolverine has been so like central to so many of these plot lines and storylines because of the star power of Hugh Jackman and the popularity of Wolverine as a character. I agree with you. You know, it should have been Kitty Pride and Days of Future Past, blah, blah, blah. At the same time, I have such a huge connection um, to comic books through the artwork. That is, I mean, I'm an artist today largely because of comic books. And so Barry Windsor Smith's work um, as the artist on Weapon X and writer, he wrote it too, but the, the, his work, I think he wrote it anyway, um, just is what, I mean, such an impact. I can't even describe how much of an impact that artwork had on me as a young artist. And so when when they showed, you know, the, the cage moving and you knew it was Wolverine and when he steps out, I'm like, please, please be wearing the Weapon X helmet. Please be wearing the Weapon X helmet. 
<laughs> and so I lost my shit when they showed that. That was huge for me. But again, that's a very personal connection to that story and to that arc, you know, and to that version of Wolverine. Um, what I do hear though is that what we lost because there was they had to make cuts to the movie, um, you know, in order to fit everything in. What mm-hmm. we lost to that Weapon X sequence was the trip to the mall that the kids take. Uh, say they're gonna take yeah and that exactly i knew you're gonna react like that because that's something that this film was sorely missing and i think that is the x-men is these kids these mutant kids hanging out and getting to know each other and their personalities clashing and just not just the big you know bad guy you know villain battles but also the interpersonal relationships and the drama and all that stuff that happens when they're just shooting the shit, just hanging out at a mall like kids do. Well, and that's, and that's why I think it needed to be two movies. I could have, because I could have watched an entire movie of just the kids getting into trouble. Yeah. Like, that was, that was compelling stuff that I was enjoying, yeah. and, and I felt kind of like it was interrupted every time Apocalypse came in. Like, get off my screen, I want to see what's happening with them. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like Weapon X could have been its own film as well, but, you know, that's just me. I just want to, I want to get as much yeah. of that as possible. But, yeah, I agree with you. Well, and the, the other thing as far as that goes is, um, I guess we should kind of go to moving forward and what's going to come up out of this is, um, and I, I know I've, I've, if there's anything I'm skipping over the notes, please please feel free to to interject them. But I feel like we've kind of <laughs> we've just kind of let it go organically the way it needs to go. Yeah. Um, moving forward, I feel like we do have some hurdles to get through because if we're going to do a Mister Sinister bad guy in the next movie, to me that movie has to have Gambit. And I don't have much faith in the Gambit movie. <laughs> Wait, aren't you a Channing Tatum fan? Oh, I love Channing Tatum. I mean, you know, ninety percent of that is probably because he's hot as hell. But, <laughs> um, but I I do think that he's he's a, a fun a fun actor to follow, and I think he's definitely got ideas. But he's trying to Ryan Reynolds the the Gambit movie, and it's not. He? he doesn't. Oh yeah, he's not he's not Ryan Reynolds, and he's not. No, it's Gambit, he, the like, the the overtly like sexy bro, like, right? He's Pepe Le Pew. That's <laughs> yeah, you know, is is he really is? And 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 that's and I can see I I I don't. It's not that I don't have faith that Channing Tatum can do it. Like it has nothing to do whether I think. Um, he would play a good gambit. I think it's a different choice. I don't know that it's a choice I would make. Um, but to me, it's not about whether or not Channing Tatum can play gambit. I just don't think that he has the connection with the character that Ryan Reynolds did to get Deadpool pushed. Yeah. Because he was just like, he's like, I understand this character. I know this character, this character, has been referred to in the comic books as before he got all ugly looking like like you know there there's this connection to the character that he has and I think that he was able to kind of push it in that direction to get it made all I have heard come out of the Gambit movie is well it's having these problems well it's having those problems well Channing Tatum quit well now he's back on it and anytime you hear that it's like this isn't going well I thought I don't know, I could be wrong, but I thought I read that Channing Tatum was a big Gambit fan, and that's why he wanted to make the movie. 
I think that there's a difference between being a fan and truly understanding the character and being able to embody it. I think you're giving Ryan Reynolds too much credit. Um, I think he is that, and so it was a, just a case of perfect casting when Ryan Reynolds can just doesn't have to act really; he can just be Ryan Reynolds, you know, and and because that's basically the character he's been in most of his film. And and that's and that's honestly, you're not you're not <laughs> you're not arguing against my point. You're making my point for me exactly. Okay, well, you said understanding. I'm like, uh, I don't know. maybe that's the phrase that I got. But well, I think because I think he like he gets the humor like, like it is his humor. It yeah, is his, yeah. and I don't think on his- when I when I look at Ryan Reynolds before Deadpool even was a twinkle in his eye, I was like, okay, yeah, I can see that casting choice yeah. because it's Van Wilder. Like it, it's obvious. Yeah, I don't look at <laughs> Van Wilder. <Perfect>. <laughs> so right. I, I, I don't look at Channing Tatum and go, oh, it's Gambit, obviously. Like, there's so many other people that I would have probably picked for Gambit before Channing Tatum. Yeah, but, yeah, okay. I, I just think it would be great if, because I like Channing Tatum as a performer. Um, mm-hmm. I think it would be great if he just hopefully puts his ego aside and his, like, you know, I don't know, maybe yearning to be the cool guy, which I could be unfairly saddling, you know, him with that because he seems very open to making himself like funny and the butt of jokes and stuff. So if he were to play Gambit, like as like this douche, like superhero, how great would that be? Oh, I, and I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I just don't, I, I, and it's, again, it's not, it's not a dig on Channing Tatum. I don't think that it's like, I like from everything I've seen and publicity and everything else, it's like, he's very much this kind of just like, let's do this. This sounds like, so it like he gets excited about things and that's awesome. <laughs> I I just don't I just don't know that he had the natural fit for this character that made it so natural that he could just walk in and go, "Come on guys, really?" and they go, "Okay, yeah, you're right." And I feel that's kind of what happened with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> that's fine. I I I love that I can detect this slight kind of like tone of like kind of like just Patting him on the head and going, "Oh, honey, like you're." <laughs> oh, <laughs> but no, but I, I, I don't want it to come off that way because I, I think that's what that's what his charisma is. His charisma is very much that right. he gets excited about things and like you want to do that. Yes, that's awesome. Let's just go do it. Like there's that exuberance and that's but but that's that's exact. I mean, would you would you not agree that that's kind of his persona? Um, I think he plays that up. I don't know if that's his actual persona. Okay, but that's not Gambit. <laughs> right, right, that's true. And that's and that's that's where I think it, it's not it's not as natural of a fit, yeah. which is fine. If he, I'm not saying that he doesn't have the acting chops to pull it off, but to to strong arm the movie into being, I don't know that he has the 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 chops to do that. Are you are you, um, are you ready for the Cajun accent? <laughs> I'm totally, I so totally ready for the Cajun accent. <laughs> I I do think I think no matter what we get. If if it's a good movie, awesome. I'll be very excited. If it's a bad movie, I think it's going to be one of those that it's just so bad that it's epic. Yeah. And we're just going to be sitting there laughing. <laughs> I mean, I hope it's I hope it's epic. I hope it's awesome. I hope we're all sitting there going, "Yes, I didn't think a Gambit movie would have worked in this phenomenally, but that there it is. I've been proven wrong." You know, when they tease when I made the connection to Mr. Sinister, I thought in my head, okay, I, I, there's a way I can see this work because they're planting seeds for the, for the Phoenix Saga. 
So mm-hmm. I'm like, I can see, I can, there's a way I can see this all fit together. But now that you mentioned Wolverine, or at least, you know, his clone and, and Gambit, now it's just, I'm already worried. I'm already thinking it sounds like too much, you know? Well, then that's the, that's going to have to be, like, now they have to be patient. I feel like they jumped the shark by, by throwing the Phoenix flare around Gene in this one. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Too early. I agree with you. But it was like the whole ending sequence. Yeah. Like, that was you know, not, like, subtly, you know, slid in there. Like, that was how they defeated, you know, spoilers, apocalypse. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and I think that's a big part of why, you know, I again, I'm looking forward to future movies. I will go see the future movies, but I do think that that they're rushing some things. And if they really want this to work, then going forward, they're going to they're gonna have to make Gambit passable. It's going to have to, like, whatever its production problems are, it's going to need to work because he's got to be in a Sinister movie. So that means, but then that means Marauders. Oh, I would love Marauders. Oh, my God, we need Marauders. Like, we need the, the next thing we need is the Mutant Massacre. Oh. Like, that's got to be the next, that's got to be the next movie. So then, okay, so yeah, we're really talking about putting Phoenix on the back burner then. Well, you, uh, if they don't, they're making a mistake. Let me ask you a question. This is, this was, what about this, Okay. Because they've already done – because Sinister has designs on Jean Grey and Scott Summers, especially yes. Summers, the Summers bloodline. But still, like, their kid. Yeah. Um, They've already used and – I'm, and I'm talking about the Phoenix Saga now. They've already used um, uh, uh, Hellfire Club. Mm-hmm. What if rather than the mastermind Hellfire Club uh, brain fuck that tips – gene over the edge what if it's the the machinations of sinister that does it that leads into her you know being overcome by these powers um again if they do i think it's going to be rushing it like i i think they have to find a way to 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 work in a mastermind like character okay well that that pushes it in that direction. I don't think Sinister is the one. Although, if I remember the correctly, Morlocks the Morlocks have that. The Morlocks have that, though. Oh, that's true. They do. They do. They have that douche. What's his name? They he's he's the one that fucks with everyone's mind and feelings and stuff. Um, the name's not coming to me. The only one I can think of, though, that's down there that has that that's in the Morlocks is the um oh the the Marauders, um Scanner, not Scanner. Oh my God, Ray, they're gonna use Malice. Yes, yes. They're gonna use Malice. Yes, that's what I was thinking of. Malice. Oh my God, you're absolutely right. Oh my God, they're gonna use Malice. That that fits. Oh, but they can't they can't throw Massacre and and the Phoenix Saga together. They X-Men 2, they mashed up God Loves Man Kills with Weapon X. X-Men yeah. 3, they mashed up the Dark Phoenix Saga with the is it the Legacy Cure? No, it's Yeah, something like the 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 Cure for Mutants. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um uh First Class, uh god, I can't I don't know. That one was its own thing. Uh, yeah. Days of the Future Past. What if they match that up with something? That's what they do. <laughs> That's what they do. Yeah, I I hope not. Like, give it two why, or three movies. Why though? Give it two or three no, movies. No, I'm not saying 
the whole Phoenix saga, I'm saying tipping it into the next film. I'm okay, so you're saying like she becomes the Dark Phoenix at the end of Mutant Massacre, yes. and that's part of the reason why it happens. Yes. And then she kills the – she destroys the star and – um, and then gets her powers back under control for some reason. I'm thinking uh, maybe because doesn't yeah yeah along those lines something along those lines. Part two can be um, Xavier in space. Part two I think should end with with uh, uh, the Shi'ar Empire uh, take, uh, capturing her or whatever. It could be part three could be the trial of Jean Grey or whatever. Well, I, okay. So if we do that, so if we do mutant massacre ends with Dark Phoenix. And then, then you want to take them out into this into space. We get brood. Yes, exactly. Okay, so we need to send this podcast to Fox oh. and say, just do this, because then and you, you will be fine. Yeah, because then you give the Dark Phoenix saga the the room that it needs to develop and breathe and be impactful for part three. Yeah, because you need you need those three movies to make the audience love Gene. Yes. And the characters love Gene, and we have to be so so in love with Gene that when she when she sacrifices herself at the end of the Phoenix Saga, we all feel yes, it. Yes, exactly. And the whole second half of that third movie should be the battle between uh, the Imperial Guard and the X Men on the moon. Yeah, and then at the end of it, at the end of it all, we go into Inferno. Wow, there you go. Send this over to uh, Fox. Will you do that, please? <laughs> Simon Kinberg, yes. tweet this at Simon Kinberg. <laughs> <laughs> we have fixed all of your problems. <laughs> Just do this. Anything else is wrong. Just do this. <laughs> I look forward to future podcasts with you where we uh, compare, where we negatively compare whatever they do to our brilliant plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just like the, the next movie. We're like, but we told you. <laughs> This is not what we said. We talked about this. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Because then Xavier right, well, can go to space and the kids can be alone to forge. It's, it'll be great. And by then we'll have the new Mutants movie and that'll be phenomenally awesome. Yeah. And God, there's a lot of stuff coming out. Yeah. We've just, we've just, we've just secured the franchise for the next 20 years. <laughs> Uh, all right. Any other final words, Ray? Because we're we're again because you and I can't shut up. Um, are going on to two hours. So, <laughs> um, I no. I mean, I think this is this is going to help me process this film and move forward. <laughs> really, you've done a great service for me. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, I do. Um, can we give shout outs? Are we at that? Are we? We are at shout out. Okay. Um, definitely. Uh, once again. To my coworkers, uh, Christian and Jason, for talking about geeky stuff with me at work and getting me through the day pretty much every day. Um, and also, I have to give a special shout out to Paul. Paul is the night manager at the AMC in Orange, the block. And about an hour into our screening of X Men Apocalypse last night, right where they're uh, recruiting Angel. Um, to, to, to the Metallica soundtrack, our theater, the, the, the image stopped, the lights all went on and the last thing to go was the sound and everyone's looking at each other like, what in the hell is happening? 
And it took them a full 15 minutes to get the film back on and, and running. Ugh. Yeah. And so, and this is a late showing I went to. It was, it was, it started at, you know, well after 1030. So by the time the film let out, it was pretty late. It was uh, close to 130 in the morning. And I walked out of the theater. I mean, of course, we're, you know, we sat and waited for the teaser at the end and you walk out of the theater and I was looking for someone because usually in those cases when, you know, that happens, the theater gives you a complimentary ticket and says, you know, we're sorry, blah, blah. Uh, so I thought, OK, you know, this movie cost me nothing. So that's great. I'll have a ticket to see something in the future. And I walk out and everyone just kind of leaves and there's no employees anywhere in the theater. And I'm walking around going, is this place like a ghost town? Like, can I just help myself wow. to some popcorn right now? What's going on? This poor guy, Paul, he's the night manager. He was, I don't know if he was there by himself or what, but he was running around trying to keep the place running. <laughs> and so <laughs> he, um, yeah, he really was a stand-up guy. He said, you know, I, I asked him about what happened. And he said, apparently there was a power surge and the power in the building went out, except for the three screens that were playing. But in order to get the power back on in the rest of the building, they have to manually shut down <laughs> power Oh no! And it, it's thirty screens, so it takes a while for everything to boot back up. So that's what happened. And it looked this poor guy looked like he had done that all himself, <laughs> like, <laughs> like he had to jump on the treadmill and like you know the, the, and run in order to get the power going back up. He's got the little whips and is smacking the hamsters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he, you know, he made everything cool with a ticket, and you know he apologized, and yeah, it was great. So shout out to Paul. You're working way too hard, man. You're doing a good job over there at the AMC at the Block at Orange. Thank you, Paul, for <laughs> for your dedication. That's awesome. Uh, I got a couple of shout outs. First of all, I would like to shout out to Nick Kelly. Nick Kelly is a listener who I think may have just found us recently, and he had some very nice things to say about us on Twitter. So thank you, Nick Kelly, because you made my day today. Oh, that's awesome. You really did. Yeah. Um, and then I wanted to send a shout out to um, the Two Gay Geeks. They have a podcast uh, of their own, and I'm going to be meeting them in Phoenix. And they are going to be on our show next week when we do a wrap up of everything that happens at Phoenix Comic Con, which is wonderful because I was trying to figure out how to record little um, interviews with people throughout the weekend and because they agreed to come onto the show next week and talk about our, our adventures at Phoenix Comic Con, I can just enjoy the Comic Con and I don't have to work through it. So I'm very excited. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Anything coming up for you, Ray? Um, more geek movies. I feel like they're never ending. Just geek projects. I really, I know you said this before, but I'll say it again. We're so lucky to be geeks right now because I just feel like there's so much media for us to consume and and just so many cool storylines to to experience. Um, so really, it's going to be that. The summer's looking pretty cool. I'm going to a bunch of concerts this summer. I'm really going to be enjoying my time uh, in Orange County and back and forth from L.A. and back and, and just doing the art scene. So I'm looking forward to a long, fun summer. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, we'll definitely have to get uh, get together a couple times over the summer yeah. and hang out. Yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be in Palm Springs soon. So that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Let us know when. Cool. Awesome. All right. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. 
You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as various other podcatchers that you enjoy using. Uh, please leave us a review and spread the word. If you like if you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Ray, remind us where we can find you. You can find me on various social media platforms at RayVargas3. So if you're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, everything is at backslash RayVargas and the number three. Um, and that's also my website, RayVargas3.com. You can go online and check out my artwork and uh, hit me up if you'd like. Very cool. And thank you again so much, Ray. I, I absolutely love when we get to sit around and, and just dissect all of a, all of a movie. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm telling you, you do me a great service. I'll be able to sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> you you be able to process oh, it. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to process. <laughs> all right. And for all of you out there, remember this week, keep it geek. <laughs>